Hi there, this is Patrick, and you're listening to Youth St. Stephen, a podcast produced by the youth ministries here at St. Stephen Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're with us. Enjoy the message. Whoa there. Hey, it's time to squat up. You know, everybody wants a squad, a community of people that care about us. They help, they support, and they give us a place to belong. In our series, we're going to discover why the word church means something way bigger than a building. We're going to learn what life was like for some of the earliest Christians. And we're going to explore four big ideas. Those ideas mean as much for us today as they did to Jesus' people 2,000 years ago. The truth is, we can all be a part of God's family. And because we're God's family, we can do for others what God has done for us. We can grow together, and most importantly, we can stand strong together. So tell me, are you ready to squat up? Whether it's your favorite sports team, a group project, or your crew in an escape room, I'm sure we can all think of circumstances where a game was won or lost based on how well a team worked together. So let's talk about winning teams for a second. What's one quality every winning team demonstrates? What do you think? Is it teamwork? How about communication? Drive? Kindness? Maybe it's encouragement or accountability. These are all great qualities for any team to demonstrate, especially a team that wants to win. But now that we're looking at these words, don't you think they're kind of good things to demonstrate in our everyday lives too? In a sport dominated by teams playing in warm weather climates, Stony Brook, the New York State school located on Long Island, stunned the college baseball community in 2012 when they advanced all the way to the sport's biggest stage, the College World Series in Omaha. The Northeastern school, with a roster consisting of about half their players from New York State, proved that the weather obstacle could be overcome as they became the first team from the America East Conference to ever reach Omaha. After escaping a four-team regional filled with traditional powers like the University of Miami and Central Florida, Stony Brook advanced to the Super Regional, where they faced a loaded Louisiana State team. Coming into LSU's multi-million dollar stadium, Stony Brook lost the first game of the series to the Tigers in extra innings before coming back to stun the LSU fans with back-to-back wins to earn their trip to Omaha. After upsetting LSU in Baton Rouge, Stony Brook took on the motto, Shock the World, to represent their unlikely run to the College World Series. Stony Brook found itself ranked number seven in the NCBWA poll, their highest ranked ever, and Matt Sank was later announced to be the National Coach of the Year. In the College World Series, Stony Brook suffered consecutive losses, falling 9-1 to UCLA and 12-2 to Florida State to end the SeaWorld's Cinderella run. They finished the season 52-13, their most wins by any Division I team in 2012, with a program record seven drafted players. Although the SeaWorld's unbelievable run came to an abrupt halt at the CWS, their success will serve as an inspiration for all Northern teams in the future as they become the feel-good story of the year in all of NCAA sports. Wow, that was a pretty cool story of success, right? But 
sometimes our squads don't always work out like that. Maybe some of you can relate to my squad's breakdown we talked about on last week's episode. We made up in the end, but Jake and I didn't see eye to eye when we should have. Sometimes our friend groups can act more like the cast of a reality show than a winning team. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about community and how God's vision for the church has always been for Jesus followers to function as a team. But like we've been saying, sometimes the church doesn't function the way it's supposed to. I'm sure I don't need to give you examples of times when Jesus followers have only been judgmental, rude, unforgiving, or hurtful to each other. But hear this, the only way to get better is to get feedback. If someone doesn't realize they're being rude or hurtful, they'll never change. If you don't like how you or someone is being treated, talk about it. Tell them and be direct. It might feel a bit awkward at first, but imagine if that person was you. Would you want them to keep a secret of how they felt? God's family isn't perfect, but my hope is that you can see how God can work through the church and its people in incredible ways. Today, we'll continue walking through the book of Ephesians as we try to understand how God's family is supposed to function. But before we jump in, here's a quick recap. Remember, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about a building or an event. We're talking about people all over the world who love and follow Jesus. This book we've been reading was actually a letter, and it was written to a whole community of people. It's meant to be read together and discussed, kind of like what we're doing today. If you were here for the last two episodes, you know that in chapter one, Paul already talked about how the church is God's family and everyone's invited. And you know that in chapter two, it's about how we can forgive and make peace with each other, just like God has forgiven and made peace with us through Jesus. We're going to skip chapter three for now, but you really should read it on your own this week. And we'll take a look at chapter four, where Paul is ready to talk about the nitty gritty of being the church. He's already talked about why unity was important, but now he wanted the Ephesians to know how to work together despite their differences. We're reading in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 starts off, I beg you, I, a prisoner here in jail for serving the Lord, to live and act in a way worthy of those who have been chosen for such wonderful blessings as these. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Try always to be led along together by the Holy Spirit and so be at peace with one another. We are all parts of one body. We have the same spirit and we have all been called to the same glorious future. For us, there is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we all have the same God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through every part of us. So how can God's family act like a team when our team is made up of some pretty imperfect people like you or me or that person you're thinking about right now? See, Paul challenges readers to remember we are part of a bigger team, and when we choose to be unified, we will all grow together towards maturity. Think about a sports team. Don't you need people with different abilities to win? Or how about an escape room? Don't you want people on your squad who think differently and can access different parts of their brains when the pressure's on? 
Not only does God want us to live at peace with one another, he wants us to understand our roles in the squad. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul points out five roles Jesus' followers might have in God's family. In verse 11, it starts off, Some of us have been given special ability as apostles. To others, he has given the gift of being able to preach well. Some have a special ability in winning people to Christ, helping them to trust him as their savior. Still others have a gift for caring for God's people as a shepherd does his sheep, leading and teaching them in the ways of God. Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? Is it that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, building up the body of Christ to a position of strength and maturity? Until finally, we all believe alike about our salvation and about our savior, God's son, and all become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled with Christ. I'm going to read a little further. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has clearly lied to us and made the lie sound like truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dearing truly, living truly. And so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, and each part in its own special way helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's see if we can make sense of what Paul said in the context of an escape room. If you're taking notes, here's a chance to write some stuff. Apostles are the pioneers. They drive new efforts and create change. In an escape room, this might be the person who keeps trying to open new doors or turn new knobs and who is pushing the team forward. Can anybody relate to that? Prophets present God's truth to others, especially when the truth is hard to hear. In an escape room, this person is probably warning everyone about how much time we have left and getting their teammates focused on the task at hand. Does that sound like you? Evangelists spread the good news of Jesus wherever they go in a really compelling way. In an escape room, this is probably the person who invited everyone else to the hangout and is posting all over social media about how awesome escape rooms are. Can you relate to that? pastors. They provide care, guidance, and comfort to others. In a way, it's bigger than just preaching. So in an escape room, this is the person encouraging the team, checking in with whoever's frustrated and challenging their teammates to keep going. Maybe that's you. Teachers help others apply what God has said. They're great at explaining difficult ideas. In an escape room, this might be the person reading the clues, explaining the next steps and making sure everyone understands what to do next. Does that sound like you? In God's family, none of us are going to be naturally gifted in all of these things, and that's okay. That's why we are on a team. Growing in our faith is a little bit like solving an escape room. Working with a team can be chaotic, noisy, and even challenging. But if we tried to do it alone, we'd never finish. Alone, we might be able to get to know God a little bit better or look at a little bit more like Jesus. But without a team around us, we'll never grow as much as God destined us to do. 
But Paul wasn't done talking about what it means for Jesus followers to grow into maturity. Like the believers of Paul's time, maybe you're wondering what exactly it means to grow in your faith. Does it mean accumulating more Bible knowledge, going to church more often, or feeling more passionate about God? Not exactly. Paul said the real measure of our spiritual growth is in the way we live our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says in verse 21, If you have really heard his voice and learned from him the truth concerning himself, then throw off your old evil nature, the old you that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and sham. Now your attitudes and thoughts must be constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be new and a different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. See, when we let Jesus transform us from the inside out, we must continue making choices to become more like him, to speak the truth, control our anger, be generous with our things and our words, and grow in compassion, kindness, and forgiveness. So when we talk about growing in immaturity, we're talking about two things, growing in closeness with Jesus and growing more into his image through our actions. We can't grow closer to God alone. We can't grow more into the image of Jesus alone. When every member of God's family does their part, we'll find ourselves growing in faith, but only when we grow together. God designed us to need each other, to function like a team. All alone, we can only go so far. But in God's family, remember this big idea. We can grow together. So how in the world do we grow together? By choosing to support each other like a team when we have a challenge to overcome. As God's family, we have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to grow when we disagree, misunderstand, or get angry with each other. An opportunity when one of us is making poor choices. An opportunity when one of us is pulling away from God or God's family. And an opportunity when one of us is hurting. Like we saw in our escape room example a few minutes ago, a great team understands that its team members have unique roles. When we come together like a family, like a team, like one body, we can grow in ways we never could on our own. We're all better when we're together. If you're taking notes, here are a few ways that you can write down how we can grow together. Number one, be real with your squad. Growing together, it means giving other people access to our lives. It means being honest about what we're going through and who we are. I hope you feel safe enough in our community to do that here. But if you don't, let's talk about why. Number two, learn with your squad. Learning together means talking, sharing, discussing, and sometimes it even means debating with each other. It means learning from God's word together, but it also means learning from each other because we all have something to teach each other. Number three, add 
to your squad. You already know that there are people out there who need a squad like the one that we've been talking about. And in fact, there are people listening to this episode right now, hoping someone will invite them to be a part of their group. Number four, stick with your squad. This means showing up. It looks like setting goals, praying for each other, checking in when we notice someone is slipping away. Growing together, it doesn't happen by accident, no. It takes a commitment. We're a group of imperfect people, so growing together, it's not always gonna be easy, but it will be worth it. God's dream is for you to grow, to grow in faith and to grow in Christ-likeness. But don't forget what Paul has been teaching us. Remember, alone you won't go far, but together we can grow Remember that big idea. We can grow together. Well, hey there, you're still listening. You are the true MVP. Give yourself a nice pat on the back. We as a ministry for today's youth pour our heart into these episodes. And when someone goes all in and listens to everything we've got, it makes our heart shine. So thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend, send them a text or a snap, and feel free to post us on your story. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. You can send us an audio message on Anchor. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining in and spending some time together. We can't wait to see you again. Check out what else we've got for you at stephen.org youth. And remember, God loves you no matter what. See you soon.